You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I was watching TV the other day, and this show comes on with these religious fanatics. They were crazy. Well, you would think they were crazy if you didn't understand their culture and their religion. See, that's just the thing. They were worshipers of idols, and they took things to extremes. They painted their bodies. They wore these ridiculous costumes. They chanted, they danced, they they made sacrifices to their idols. They had built these enormous temples to worship their idols in. It seemed like their entire existence climaxed into this one scenario, this one over-the-top act of worship. You don't really relate, do you? Let's try it again. I was watching TV the other day, and this show comes on with these religious fanatics. They were crazy. See, that's just the thing. They were worshipers of idols, and they took things to extremes. They painted their bodies. They wore these ridiculous costumes. They chanted. They danced. They they made sacrifices to their idols. They had built these enormous temples to worship their idols in. It seemed like their entire existence climaxed into this one scenario, this one over-the-top act of worship. Idol worship. It's not just about golden calves anymore. Well, the truth is, uh, I enjoy watching sports a lot. In fact, um, moving to this part of the country was kind of exciting because it's a great place to live for college sports. Uh, this is March, and the NCAA basketball tournaments will be starting up here shortly. And uh, for the first time in my life, I actually know someone personally who's playing in the tournament, Tyler Neal, who grew up in this church, plays for Oklahoma. I thought I might get a witness out of that right there, some uh, encouragement from the... yeah. But it'll be fun to watch Tyler play. Um, I had not watched pro basketball since uh, really the early 90s when Larry Bird retired from the NBA. But uh, moving here, I have gotten excited about pro basketball again. And I don't think that God thinks any less of me because I have. And I don't think I've offended the heart of God because I enjoy watching sports. I think here's the bottom line. We can allow anything... We can allow anything in our lives to come before God if we're not careful. So anybody or anything can become an idol or become a God to us. Money. Money can become before God in our lives if we're not careful. We can live our lives in such a way that at the very center of our lives is our interest in money. You understand that sex... Sex can become an idol. Sex can come before God in our lives if we're not careful. Anything that we sacrifice for or anything that we pursue can become a God. Any kind of pleasure. You understand it, I think, but I'll say it to make sure you understand it, that the idea of success, if we're not careful, can become an idol. If we're not careful, the idea of success can come before God in our lives. Anything that we sacrifice for or anything that we pursue has the potential of us putting that thing before God. 
We uh, started a series last week called Clear the Stage, and so we just kind of cleared the stage. And, and the idea is that things look different and things feel different. I hope you go home today saying church was really different because we're not in an ordinary season of the year. We're in the season of Lent, and we want it to feel and look different. And, and the idea was that hopefully you would have left last week with this image of the stage in your mind, and you would begin to say, I want my life to start looking more like that stage. I want to eliminate anything I can, any distraction that there might be, and I want to be able to focus on Christ. That, that's the goal of the series. And so, let me just talk to you for a few moments if you are female, okay? If you are female and you are college age or older, just kind of look up here at me for a minute, okay? Here we go. How does the word rest sound to you? If you're a young mom, you probably would say, that sounds elusive to me. I don't know what that really is. We ate dinner with a young lady and her baby just this week, Annette and I, and I watched her trying to juggle dinner and that baby. And I remember Annette and I years ago saying, when our girls were little, man, what would it be like if you ate one entire meal without a kid on your lap at some point? That would be amazing, you know. And so we're encouraging you to get some rest. This coming weekend... Uh, March 28th, 29th, and 30th, two nights in a hotel without any children. <laughs> and, and if you don't have young children, you just have a husband, two nights without your husband. How does that sound? Really good, huh? <laughs> but it's a retreat for ladies in the church, and the idea is rest and restoration. And so would you just turn, if you're sitting near a female, would you just turn to them, whether you know them or not, and say, should you consider going on this retreat? Do that right now, would you? How awkward was that, saying that to somebody you didn't know, right? Here's here's what I want to say to you today, okay? And this is the question that I'm going to ask you that's going to kind of take us down this journey these next few moments together, okay? If your life is this stage, if your life is this stage, then what takes center stage of your life. And for some reason, I don't feel a need right now to explain that. I believe even in this moment that God is already speaking. And I believe that some people are dealing pretty heavy with that issue. If my life is a stage, then what takes center stage in my life? What does everything else in my life revolve around? In the book of Exodus, chapter 20, Moses has been on Mount Sinai, and he has been with God, and God has given him the Ten Commandments. And he comes down the mountain, and he reveals to them what God has said. And so, if you want to open your Bible to Exodus, chapter 20, Exodus, chapter 20, let me share these words with you, okay? beginning with verse 1. And we'll put the words on the screen as well. Here's what God says. And God spoke all these words. This is what Moses is saying to the Israelites. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. I want center stage in your life. 
I'm not interested in competing with any other gods. I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of the land of slavery. I created you from the dust of the ground. I breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. And you became a living soul. I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of slavery. I don't want you to have any other gods in your life. I want center stage when it comes to your being. That's the first commandment. The second commandment is this. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything. In heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. May God bless the reading of his word for us today. Amen? Amen. Um, If I was going to recommend a book to you to read during the series uh, these next few weeks, I would recommend this book. It is a book that I heard that some of you... We're using it in classes and groups over the last few months. I picked it up and started reading it a few months ago. It's called God's at War. Uh, The G is a small G, not a capital G. It's written by a guy named Kyle Eidelman, who pastors a church in Louisville, Kentucky. A lot of good things come out of Kentucky. And uh, the subtitle of the book is Defeating the Idols That Battle for Your Heart. And so if you were saying, you got anything that I might would read as you work through the series, I would say... Read this book, Kyle Eidelman, God's at War. I think you can pick it up at a place like Mardell's for maybe only five bucks and probably that cheap online. He tells a story about a girl who grew up in a Christian home who was getting ready to move in with her boyfriend. And so her parents, Kyle Eidelman said, attended the church that I was pastoring and they called me and said, would you mind calling our daughter and maybe talking to her about the choice that she's getting ready to make? Would you be willing to do that for us? And so he said, sure, I'll call her. And so he picks up the phone and he calls her and she's expecting his call. And he said immediately she began to kind of laugh off my call with this nervous laugh. I don't know what my parents are so upset about. It seems to me they're making a big deal out of nothing. And Kyle Eidelman says, I said to her, I hear you. Could it be the opposite? Could it be that you're making nothing out of a really big deal? What do you mean, she says. He said, well, I guess I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Have you considered the cost of, about, of, of what you're about to do? And she said, what are you talking about, the apartment? And he said, no, I'm not talking about the financial cost. I'm talking about other kinds of costs. For example, what it will cost you in regard to your family. You know their beliefs. You know how they raised you. What does this potentially do to your relationship with your family? Have you thought about that? She said, no, I guess I haven't thought about that. He says, what about your your marriage? She said, hey, I'm not saying I'm going to marry the guy. We're just moving in. 
And he said, well, statistically, you probably won't marry the guy. But have you thought about the cost for your future husband? As he tries to process the fact that you've lived with someone else for a period of time, and now you're going to choose to marry him and live with him. He said, finally, I just got to the point. And I said to her, God's word is very clear about the choice that you're getting ready to make. And obviously, you've weighed what God's word says about that, and you've decided that you're going to move in with your boyfriend anyway. And so it seems to me, it seems to me, that you're putting your boyfriend before God in your life. Listen, we have the potential of allowing almost anything to come before God. We have that potential. The people of Israel had that same kind of potential. They had lived in Egypt for 400 years. They were very aware of what idol worship was all about. It has been said of Egypt that it was crowded with gods. And so they understood all of these gods. And the choice that they had to make is simply this. Will I let the culture that I'm in influence me or will I influence my culture? Will I begin to worship many gods because the culture that I'm in worships many gods? Or will I worship one god influence my culture to worship one god like I do? It's, it's the same question that we live every day of our lives. Am I going to become like my culture or is my culture going to become like me? Who is going to influence who in the relationships? And so God says to the people of Israel, I know that you understand the worship of many gods, but I am the Lord your God, and I brought you out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the land of slavery, and I'm saying this to you, you shall have no other gods before me. In my Bible, there is a notation that says, it is translated either before or beside me. The idea is there is none in addition to me. And what he is saying is I will not compete with any God. There is only one God. I created you. I gave you life. And I want the center stage of your life. Years ago, I, I was watching the Golf Channel, and there was an interview with a guy whose name is Lee Trevino. He's an older guy of another era. And, and as his career was kind of coming to a close, there was a guy who was interviewing him and said to him, So Lee, what has golf meant to you? Uh, what has golf been in your life? And it was years ago, but I remember it really well because when he answered the question, it stung. I mean, I've had few things in my life to sting me like this stung me. It hurt. Because here's what he said to the question, what has golf meant to you? What has golf been to you in your life? And here's what Trevino says. He says, golf has been my God. 
I put golf before everything. I put golf before my marriage. I put golf before my kids. I put golf before my entire family. Golf has been my God. And he jokingly said, my divorce came at a complete surprise. I wasn't expecting it. But that's what happens when you don't go home for 18 years. We can allow anything to come before God in our lives and take center stage. When Moses was on the mountain and God was giving him the Ten Commandments, the people of Israel began to scratch their heads and say, He has been gone a long time. And they went to Aaron and they said, We don't know when he's coming back. We don't know if he's coming back. We have been following his God, but we needed God to lead us. Aaron, surely you could make us a God. And so Aaron says, well, bring me all of the earrings from your wives and your sons and your daughters. And they brought all of their golden earrings and they put them in this pot and begin to melt it. And they begin to hammer it. And Aaron began to fashion it into the image of a calf. And when he finished this image of this golden calf, he set it up and the people of Israel begin to bow down to the calf. And they begin to say things like, you have brought us out of the land of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. And they bowed down and they worshiped this golden image. And at the very moment they're worshiping the golden image that Aaron had hammered out of gold, God says to Moses, My people should not make any golden image or bow down to it or worship it. I I remember a few weeks ago I said to you on a Sunday morning, I don't worry that you guys go home on Sunday afternoon and you open a closet door and you get out this statue and, and you set it up and you get a rug and you lay it on the floor and you get on your knees and you put your head on the, on the ground and you worship this statue. I, I don't, I don't worry that you do that. I don't think you've got some image in your home, some bust sitting on a table, and every morning before you got the door, you pay homage to it. Idols today have taken on identities that are so common we don't recognize them as idols. They look like checking accounts. And search engines on the internet. And the calendars that we keep. And sometimes people say to God, you're going to need to scoot over. Because this has now become the center of my life. Eidelman tells a second story about an appointment that a guy made with him one day who attended his church. And he said when he stood at the door of my office, he had a look on his face that was almost saying, I don't know if I want to keep this appointment. Come on in, I said. Have a seat. Sit down. I closed the door. He sat down. There was nervous energy. He was shifting the whole time he was sitting there. It was small talk initially. How long have you attended the church? What do you do for a living? He was in his mid-30s. 
And finally, he blurts it out. I'm addicted to pornography. That's why I came. I have a pornography addiction. I look at pornography every day of my life. He went on to talk about his hate for the Internet. I hate the Internet. The Internet makes everything so accessible. I wish I could live without the Internet, but I have to have the Internet for my job. Who can live without the Internet for life? But I hate the Internet. It's ruined my life. And Eidelman says, I suspect that he expected me to give him the normal talk. Well, you've got to build accountability into your life, and you've got to put filters on your internet, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and you've got to find a support group. But he said, I assumed he had tried some of those things, and they had not worked for him. And so finally I said to him instead, your problem is a worship problem. And the decision that you have to make is who are you going to worship? Or what are you going to worship? Are you going to worship God? Or are you going to spend your life worshiping sex? Because your problem is a worship problem. And what Eidelman was really saying to the young man was, what is at center stage in your life? I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt. I freed you from the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Not money, not sex, not pleasure, not success, nothing. What happens is that when we find ourselves making God the center of our lives, we find ourselves focusing on what matters to Him. So I got an email just on maybe Monday or Tuesday this past week. It was from a guy who attends our church. He's a medical doctor. And he says, I've, I've always wanted to be a witness, but I've never really prayed for people who don't know Jesus. But a few weeks ago when you preached that sermon and you offered us that bookmark, he said, I took it seriously and I took it home. And I began to pray that God would lead me to the right person. Who do you want me to invest my life in? Who do you want me to pray for every day? I'll make a weekly contact when you show me that person after praying for them every day. I'll, I'll be led by your spirit to know how to invite them either to coffee or to lunch or to a faith conversation or to church or to know Jesus. I want to do this. And he said the second person that God gave me to pray for was a man who I serve as his physician. 60 years old. He's lived his life as an alcoholic. And I diagnosed him with cancer. And I felt like God saying, Him. Pray for Him every day. Make a contact every week. Let me lead you to invite Him. Are you, are you doing that? Is that 
I'd, I'd love to hear your stories as well. And so he says, I'm praying every day for him. And I'm figuring out how I'm going to make a weekly contact with him. And so I called him and I asked, would it, would it be okay if I came to your house to visit you? Now there's, there's a house call for you from a doctor, not for a physical need, but for a spiritual need. And he says, sure, I'd like for you to come over. And he said, I had been praying for him every day. I'd been in touch with him. And it was that day that I talked to him about what it really means to become a follower of Christ and commit your life to following Jesus. And then I asked him, would he like to become a Christian, a Christ follower? Would he give his life to following Jesus. And he said, the man said, yes. He said, it was wonderful, exclamation point in the email. This was incredible. And I prayed with this guy and he accepted Jesus and he, and he was forgiven of his sin and he made a commitment that, that I will give my life to following him. See, when, when he's at center stage... When Jesus is the center of my life, then the things that are important to Jesus become important to me. There's, there's this point of inspiration in this passage. And you may be saying, well, go ahead and get to that part then, will you? It, it's, it's not where that I expected to find inspiration, I'll be honest with you. Um, I always look for the inspiration in a passage, but, but sometimes I find it in the most unlikely places. Uh, did I ever tell you the story about the guy who goes away to fight in World War II and he leaves his fiancée, of course, back home, but he carries with her, with him rather, her picture? And, and about a year after he's been overseas, he gets a letter from her that says, I don't know how to break this news to you. I am very sorry, but I could not wait. I have met someone else. I'm breaking our engagement because I'm to be married to another man. And then she says, the picture that you took with you happens to be the favorite picture that I have of myself. It's the picture I was hoping to use in the wedding announcement in the local newspaper. Could you please send it back? And so all of his friends felt so bad for him, and he was so down, and he was so low. They all chipped in a picture of their girlfriend or their wife, and they put him in a box, and they wrote her a letter saying, I'd be glad to return your picture to you, but for the life of me, I can't remember which one you are. <laughs> so if you will take your picture out and send the others back, I would be so grateful. Yes. Why does it hurt? Because he loved her. Here's the inspiration in the passage, okay? God says, I am a jealous God. You wanted me to say, I'll say it, I'm a jealous God. You want to hear it? You can hear it. Okay, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you. I don't want you hanging around other gods. I don't want you flirting with anybody else. I'm a jealous God. I want a relationship with you and I'm willing to pursue you. I believe when I started this sermon a few minutes ago and I said, here's the question. Who is at center stage in your life? I believe in that moment God was already speaking. And I believe God was saying to somebody, you know I'm not at the center of your life anymore. 
Because he's jealous. And a jealous lover pursues. And he will never give up on you. He just keeps coming. You can put something else at the center of your life and he won't leave you alone. He just keeps coming. And he keeps knocking. And he keeps speaking. And he keeps loving. And he keeps drawing. Because he says, I am a jealous God. So I wonder if somebody is saying to me, Rick, I have allowed something center stage of my life. I make great sacrifices for it. And I pursue it. And it's not God. And something has to change. So here we are moving through Lent, desiring to identify with Jesus as he moves toward the cross. And we can hear Jesus saying, Seek ye first, center stage, center of your life, the kingdom of God. And we see the ultimate example of that when he stood in the garden and he prayed, It's not about my will being done, it's about what you want. Kyle, why don't you guys come back up? Can you do that? And so I don't want us to leave today without taking some time to respond. How do you respond to God? We, we've opened God's Word. God speaks clearly through His Word. And, and now we have to respond to God somehow. And so it may very well be that you would say, Okay, I'm just going to level with you, Rick. Here's the deal. You got my number. Um... I've allowed something else to become center of my life. I make great sacrifices for it, and I pursue it with great energy. God is not at the center of my life. I've made something else a God. And it's wrong. And I need to confess it. And I need to ask for forgiveness. And I need to put God at the center of my life. And so this morning, if that's, if that's what your prayer needs to be, I would challenge you, then pray that prayer. God gives you grace, you understand. I realize, too, that some of you come here every Sunday, and, and maybe it's been for months, or maybe a year, or maybe years that you've come, and you say, I've never, I've never in my life said, okay, Lord, you can have center stage in my life. But today I want to become a Christ follower. I want to be forgiven of all of my sin. And I want to make you the center of my life. I want to become a Christian today. Then this morning you can accept Christ. Forgiveness. And commit to follow Him with your life. 
I, I know it's been a hard week. We've been praying for some of you this week who have experienced loss in your families. And so this morning, if you want to come and just find a loving father to talk to, you can come and get on your knees and pray about anything that's going on in your life. It, it, it could be that this week you have cleared some things out of your lives and you have found some great fellowship with Jesus. And, and you just want to talk to him and tell him that you're grateful for the time that you've spent with him and what has happened this past week. Maybe you want to be prayed for for healing. For whatever reason, we're just going to take some time before we go to pray. So let's stand. Kyle will lead us and we will sing this song of prayer together. And if you want to come and pray, feel free. If you want to pray where you are, feel free. Let's talk to the Father. Anything I put before my God is an idol. And anything I want with all my heart is an idol. And anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol. Anything that I give all my love is an idol. I seek you. The more. Feet. 
as you're ready to do so. It's okay to hang around if you like. Kyle will lead us for a while. If you want to have a seat where you are, if you want to come and pray with a friend, um, leave quietly as you need to go. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.